thing about having military type people do the announcements and do worship those sailors and those corpsmen they get prayed for around here so <laughs> it's always in Jaime I don't think you've ever prayed without praying for the sailors and the soldiers so that's good but we do appreciate them we're in the book of numbers this morning chapter 11 numbers was written by Moses roughly 1500 BC Israel is in their about their second year of uh, being out in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. From Egypt to the promised land, walking is about a 40-day journey. Israel's going to be in the wilderness 40 years. We read of a census that was taken uh, in the beginning of Numbers, at the beginning of the 40 years, and then another census is taken right before they entered the Promised Land. God had to remove a lot of Egypt out of his people Israel in this 40-year period. Egypt in Scripture represents sin. God is also having to remove a lot of Egypt out of you and I. So turn with me to Numbers 11. We will look at the critical attitude of Israel out in the wilderness. Now remember, Israel was led by a cloud, of, a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. And they're a multitude now. There's over 2 million Israelites out there in the desert, and God feeds them each and every day with manna. And manna has become a staple in their diet. So let's look at Numbers uh, 11, 1 through 15. Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses. And when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Taborah, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense cravings. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its color was like bedulum. And the people went about and gathered it, ground it on millstones or beat it in the mortar, cooked it in pans and made cakes of it, and the taste was like the taste of a pastry prepared with oil. And when the dew fell on, on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. Then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families. Everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses was also displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, 
Why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep all over me, saying, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now if I have found favor in your sight. And do not let me see my wretchedness. Moses is a little uptight. <laughs> One of the basic complaints of Israel is their diet. And this mixed multitude that has come out of Egypt with Israel, they're a bad influence on Israel, and they're a bad influence to cause them to complain. But this complaining displeases the Lord. For it says, for the Lord heard it. God not only hears our prayers, and I'm glad he does, but he hears our complaints and he hears our gripes. And that causes me a little trepidation <laughs> because we can all complain at times. Israel is whining and complaining and it arouses the anger of the Lord. God is so angry with them that he sends fire and some on the outskirts of camp, they're being consumed by this fire. And the people cry out to Moses. Moses prays and the fire is quenched. However, the fire of God does not stop the complaining, nor does it give this multitude a better attitude. Verse 4, we see the mixed multitude yielded to intense cravings. And they begin to mix this with tears in their complaints. Israel is sobbing and weeping. Their complaint. We remember the fish, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic of Egypt. And that only proves that our memory can be very selective. We're influenced by what we want to remember. Israel has forgotten that they were slaves. And the, they've forgotten the rigorous labor that they were under. They remember that making bricks in the hot sun day after day, they've kind of let that pass by. Making bricks for a lot of these Israelites was the only life they knew. The only life they had known. They had a resume. I'm a brick maker. That's it. And the only way to forget your slavery was to have selective memory. Now we've all heard, be careful when you complain about things getting worse. Why? Because things can get worse. <laughs> and as a slave in Egypt... An Israelite was only useful 
as long as they were productive. The Egyptians were harsh taskmasters. And if you had a slave and you were an Egyptian and this slave complained to you day in and day out, you simply disposed of them. It was that simple. And the very fact that Israel can complain and are complaining means that life is much better for them. But there is no thankfulness in Israel for God's provision, especially for the manna. Now, Israel did nothing in providing themselves with manna. It was there every morning. Now, remember, you could only gather one day's supply of manna. Uh, Anything extra or left over, it simply rotted. And so very quickly, you learned how to gather enough for your family for that one day. If you were a family of four, you would lay out probably a little cloth or blanket of the certain size, and that would supply you of your daily bread. But you did nothing to bring that manna to your home. You simply gathered it. And one of the basic needs of life, manna, bread, is supplied by God every day for Israel. And when they complain about it, It bothers God. In Psalms, we read that manna was angels' food. Probably had all the nutrients you would need for a daily diet. Verse 6, Israel complains, we are dried up, and there is nothing at all except this manna. And God hears their complaints, and he takes offense at their complaints. Israel has not considered for a moment, what they would do without manna. That doesn't even cross their mind. And in verse 10, Moses and the Lord hear their weeping and their whining, and and the people are doing this in the doorway of their tents. As Moses would pass by, he would hear all this. And both God and Moses are displeased. Moses has questions for God. Why have you afflicted your servant? (laughs) Why have I not found favor in your sight? Why have you laid the burden of this people on me? Moses isn't done. He continues. Did I conceive these people? Did I begat them? Do you really expect me to be a guardian to them, carrying them like a nursing child all the way to the promised land? And then Moses gets down. He says, by the way, where am I going to get meat to feed this great multitude? (laughs) So it's not only the children of Israel that are complaining. Moses is complaining. Moses, he's not quite finished with his complaint. And he says, these people weep all over me. And they are too heavy of a burden. Moses has a solution. God, if you're going to treat me this way, go ahead and kill me. (laughs) And kill me if I found favor in your sight. That's kind of being depressed. But please, God, do not let me see my wretchedness. Wow, what a thing to say. 
Moses has no delusions of righteousness. He realized that he's sinful. He says, Lord, don't, don't let me see my wretchedness. He doesn't want to die depressed. <laughs> when we read this passage, it's like maybe we're talking to a harsh boss that we have who's given us too much work. Moses, he admits to God, I'm in way over my head. Perhaps you've been in that position, being in way over your head. It's kind of like that 20-80 principle, 20% of the workforce doing 80% of the work. And invariably, the work gets piled on to that 20%. And that 20-80 principle can spill over into churches. I'm pleased to say we do not have that problem here, really. And I boast to others outside of our fellowship that our people more than are more than willing to serve. And that's the truth. I appreciate you people just willing to serve. And when I become overburdened, wanting to complain like Moses, and that happens occasionally, God will remind me this is his church, not mine. Boy, does that get things in perspective. <laughs> and on that subject, there are times when people will come to me and confess their area of weakness. And they want me to agree with them in prayer for it, and I'm happy to do that. And there will be some that want me to, they want to be accountable to me. And I don't allow that. Now, I'm willing to pray with anyone struggling with sin. But I will not take on the responsibility of being the Holy Spirit. Because we can and do deceive one another. In our behavior. and But you can't deceive the Holy Spirit. So I remind anyone that wants me to be accountable to me. I said, no, no, you be accountable to the Holy Spirit. You can't fool him. And he loves you a lot more than I do. So be accountable to God. Don't be accountable to me. In verses 16 and 17... God comes to Moses' aid and he puts the spirit that is upon Moses and places it upon 70 men who are willing to bear the burden of the people. But then let me read 18 through 23. Then you shall say to the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow you shall eat meat. For you, will, for you have wept in the hearing of the Lord saying, who will give us meat to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt, therefore God will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall eat not one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten, nor twenty, but a whole month, until it comes out your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you, because you have despised the Lord who is among you and have wept before him, saying, Why did we ever come out of Egypt? And Moses said, the people whom 
I am among our 600,000 men on foot, yet you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat for a whole month. Now Moses is going to think about this. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to provide enough for them? And the Lord said to Moses, Has the arm of the Lord been shortened? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. Moses, you can test me on this one. God declares to Moses, I will give this huge multitude, 600,000 men, and that doesn't count the women and children. And you shall eat for a whole month, Moses, until it comes out of your nostrils. Now, that's sort of graphic. <laughs> uh, have you ever choked on a big gulp of coffee? Or any other drink, for that matter. And have you choked so violently that it comes out of your nose? You have. That can be a near-death experience. <laughs> and you want to be alone when that happens, because if you're with someone, it's very embarrassing. I have sprayed my windshield. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm glad that I was alone when I sprayed it, all right? Moses has reminded God how many people are in camp. There are at least two million here, God, counting the women and children, and that's a lot of people to give meat to. Moses has done what a lot of us would do. We're using our own rationale. Matt, Moses is using his own rationale. He's working out the logistics in his mind, and he's saying if we were to slaughter all our flocks and herds, Maybe enough meat. If we were to gather all the fish in the sea, uh, perhaps enough meat. And then God has a question for all pragmatic thinkers. Verse 23, has the arm of the Lord been shortened? Am I not able to provide Moses? Now, Moses, you're going to see whether or not my word is true. Moses, this is the man of faith. Moses, do you remember the ten plagues that came upon Egypt by your own hand in front of your own eyes? Has Moses forgotten that he was trapped by Pharaoh's army at the shores of the Red Sea and God parted the sea? How about the rock that Moses struck with his staff and it gave him water to drink? All of these miracles should flood the mind of Moses when God asks, Is my power limited? Is my arm shortened, Moses? Has my word ever failed you? That's a good question for Moses, but it's a good question for us. Has God's word ever failed any of us? I've been unfaithful, but God is faithful. I urge believers to keep a prayer journal. And if you'll write down your prayer request 
And as God answers those prayers, strike them off. You'll, feel, you'll find that God is very faithful. And that's in the Old Testament, how Moses uh, questioned God. But let's look in the New Testament. Let's look at a priest named Zacharias. Luke 1, we'll read verses 5 through 13. Zacharias, the husband of Elizabeth, was a priest. So let's read about There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the customs of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right hand of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Gabriel, sent by God to give Zacharias and Elizabeth good news. And the good news is God has heard your prayers and you will have a son. Let's look at verses 18 through 20. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, who, who was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the days these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Back to Moses for a second. God asked Moses, is my arm shortened, Moses? And Moses is pondering how the Lord will accomplish giving meat to this multitude. Now you have Zacharias, and Zacharias asked the angel Gabriel, how will I know this? Similar questions by Moses and Zacharias. But apparently, Gabriel, the angel, is offended by Zacharias' question. I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. God sent me to you. To bring you these glad tidings. Now we don't know. If Gabriel is now acting on his own. Or under the instructions of God. But listen to Gabriel's words. Behold Zacharias. You will be mute. And not able to speak until these, the day these things take place. Because, Zacharias, you did not believe my words to you from God. 
apparently, <laughs> Gabriel is not accustomed to having his word doubted. <laughs> is Gabriel being a little testy here? Zechariah thought so, but he can't say anything for another nine months. <laughs> and he is mute until John is born. But back to the children of Israel in the wilderness, God did provide them meat in the form of quail, and this was a never-before-happening miracle. Never before. So let me read verses 31 through 33 of Numbers 11. Now a wind went out from the Lord, and it brought quail from the sea and left them fluttering near the camp about a day's journey on this side and about a day's journey on the other side, all around the camp and about two cubits above the surface of the ground. That's about three feet. And the people stayed up all that day, all night, and all the next day and gathered quail. He who gathered lease gathered ten homers, and they spread them out for themselves all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. Israel is consumed with lust for meat. The people are up all day, all night, gathering quail. And the, it bothers to tell us quail are coming in about three feet high. That's right in the middle of the strike zone if you're a baseball player. Bam! <laughs> I can hit quail all day long at the three-foot height. And the least gathered ten homers. Well, I had to look up how much a homer was. A homer is eight gallons. They're gathering roughly 80 or... A homer, eight bushels, not gallons, my bad. One homer, eight bushels. And the least that was gathered was ten homers. That's 80 bushels of quail. That's a lot of quail. <laughs> quail is a small bird. And they're spreading them out. I guess they're making jerky out of them or whatever. And they're consumed with their cravings. They're out of control in their gathering. And God doesn't overlook it. He doesn't overlook them lusting after meat. And he sent a great plague upon them. Because the people are tempting their Lord, their God, with a craving of meat. Israel is having to learn that God will provide and they have to learn to be grateful and have a thankful heart for God's provision. So what do we learn from this? Well, first of all, I'm thankful that, you know, we have a diet that is uh, varied and that we can pick and choose kind of what we eat. 
But God desires from his people that we have a thankful heart. Appreciate his provisions. Israel, they're complaining, they're weeping, they're sobbing, and it made God angry or displeased, and a plague breaks out against them. We're to take and learn from Israel. When we study Israel in the wilderness, it is to be our tutor, our teacher, as how not to be. That's one of the reasons we're given the examples of the children of Israel in the wilderness. Have a thankful heart. It's pleasing to the Lord. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, too many times we tend to look upon the negative. And Lord, I want you to forgive us for that. For we are a blessed people. You have greatly blessed us, your people. Lord, we have no complaints. And we do not want to be found complaining and griping and whining about your provisions. Thank you for loving us and meeting every need we have, Lord. We openly pray that. We openly say thank you, Lord. So give us hearts, Lord that are grateful. Help us to appreciate, truly appreciate your goodness to us, Lord. Lord, I'm an old man, and I do not know what it's like to be hungry and not be able to find something to eat. What a blessing. What a great testimony that is, Lord, that I can say at this point in my life I've never suffered hunger. You, you are a good provider. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I would pray that you would just work on our hearts, cause us to see your goodness and your blessings upon our lives. We pray and ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.